Welcome to the online Bible study. It is so wonderful when you study God's word and you see how he has worked in the lives of the people in scripture to fulfill his purpose. It shows us how God works in every facet of our lives to accomplish his will. We saw as we studied the book of Ruth that God worked in the life of Naomi even when she was discouraged and down, God still worked to redeem her. We saw how Ruth and Boaz were both brought together by the providence of God and became the parents of Obed, who was the grandfather of King David. Today, we are studying the book of Esther, and we will see how God worked in the life of a young Jewish girl, Hadassah who was placed in a position to prevent the annihilation of her entire nation. Hadassah is better known by her Persian name, which was Esther. We are going from a quiet Jewish village to a bustling Gentile city. The one thing that can be encouraging is that God is always at work on behalf of his people whether we live in a small town or a big city, it doesn't matter. God is always there with us. So, let's begin and open our Bibles to the book of Esther, to the first chapter. Now, you'll see in the first chapter that it is basically setting the scene. It is the background as to how Esther came to be a prominent position to deliver the Jewish people from annihilation. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. It says, Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this was Ahasuerus who reigned over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel. Now, King Ahasuerus is the Hebrew transliteration of his Persian name, Keshah Yarshah. He is better known to us in history as Xerxes, which was the Greek form of his name. Xerxes ruled the Persian Empire for 21 years. It was from 485 to 465 B.C. Now it says in scripture that he reigned over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. Now this is a vast empire and that the king had total control over. When it says here from India to Ethiopia, when if you look in if you are looking at the NIV translation, it shows Ethiopia as being Cush. So India corresponds to the present day Pakistan. And Kush was a term for the upper Nile region, which included present day southern Egypt, all of Sudan, and northern Ethiopia. Now Xerxes inherited this great empire of Persia from his father Darius I in 520 to 486 BC and his grandfather Cyrus 
the Great had it from 550 to 530 BC. Now this time Persia was the largest empire ever formed through military conquest. So in the opening scene of Esther, King Xerxes is ruling from the fortress city of Susa, which was the winter palace of the kingdom. Now Susa, as you see, is located in the territory held by modern Iran, just across the border from modern Iraq. So as you can see, this is a very vast empire. When you look at this, you'll see all the way here is Iran, and it goes all the way over to Egypt. But when you look at Iran, it also said that India corresponds to present-day West Pakistan. Pakistan is even further over this direction. So you can see from Pakistan to Egypt how vast this empire is. Well, enough about history, but I wanted to bring that out to you because it shows the power and the lifestyle of King Xerxes and to show the vastness of this empire and his wealth so that you get an idea of who he is and what kind of power that he has. Now let's continue on to verses 3 through 4 in chapter 1. It says, now in the third year of his reign, he made a feast for all his officials and servants, the powers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty for many days, 180 days in all. In the ancient times, rulers used lavish banquets to secure the loyalty of their leadership, to lay plans and strategies for ruling the nations, and for launching military campaigns. The guests included all the nation's nobles, the businessmen, the political leaders, as well as the military leaders of both Persia and Media. Now remember, years before, Xerxes' grandfather, Cyrus the Great, had conquered Media and formed an alliance with the Medes. And together, the Medes and the Persians conquered the vast empire that was now being ruled by Cyrus' grandson, Xerxes. This lavish banquet went on for 180 days. That is six months. Can you imagine having a party for six months? This celebration went on, and what they're saying is it is said that he was planning a military move during these six months. Now, it's also said in some of the commentaries that during this time, when you've had all these different leaders of military coming in, that they did not have everybody there at one time. It, was, it is said that they rotated, because if you had all of your military men there, then it, the empire would be easy to take over within that six-month period. And so basically they would rotate is what they said. And so you can just see this whole celebration and feast going on for six months, and they're rotating in all these different military men and leaders. Now that the plans are made, Xerxes is ready to celebrate their plans and the great power of the empire. He decided 
to have another celebration that would go on for seven days. But this celebration was not just for the leaders, but it was for all of Susa, the great and the small. Let's look at verses 5 through 9. It says, And when these days were completed, the king made a feast lasting seven days, and all the people who were present in Shushan, the citadel, from great to small, in the court of the garden of the king's palace, there were white and blue linen curtains, fastened with cords of fine linen and purple on silver rods and marble pillars, and the couches were of gold and silver and on mosaic pavement of alabaster, turquoise, and white and black marble. And they served drinks in golden vessels, each vessel being different from the other, with royal wine in abundance, according to the generosity of the king. In accordance with the law, the drinking was not compulsory, for so the king had ordered all the officers of his household that they should do according to each man's pleasure. Queen Vashti also made a feast for the women in the royal palace, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. Now notice here how the king, in his pride, displayed his vast wealth and dazzling luxury. There was linen and silver and marble and other costly stones that are known to have been used in Persia. When they talk about the blue and white, those were the royal colors, as we will see as we get into chapter 8, verse 15. The guests were allowed to drink as much or as little as the royal wine as they desired. So while the men were enjoying their banquet... Queen Vashti, the king's wife, also had a separate banquet for the women. Now, King Xerxes was a man of enormous wealth, whose life was one of extravagance, pleasure, and luxury. Being prideful, he boasted in showing off his wealth and in demonstrating his authority and power over others. Scripture tells us in Matthew 6:19 it says do not lay up for yourselves treasures of on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal 1 John 3:17 says but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him how does the love of God abide in him Ladies, what we do with the treasures of God and what he gives us is what is important. Instead of boasting about what we have and flaunting it in front of others, we should use our treasures to glorify God. There are a lot of people who are hurting, whether it is due to health issues or financial problems due to this economy. If we can help financially, or by just giving an ear to listen to someone who needs encouragement, we need to seek what God wants us to do. Pride does not get us anywhere. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit 
before a fall. King Xerxes should have learned this lesson, but he didn't. In 480 BC, the Russian navy was destroyed at Salamis. While the king sat on the throne watching the battle, and in 479 B.C., the Persian army was defeated. Xerxes' dream of a world empire ended. His pride and his wealth didn't get him anywhere, did it? And then to add to all of this, Xerxes, in verse 10 through 11, tries to exploit his wife. Let's look at these verses. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served in his presence of the king to bring Queen Vashti before him, wearing her royal crown, in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. Again, this whole time the king was showing off his wealth, and his possessions. Now it's at the end of the banquet. He and his guests are drunk, and the king decides to show off his beautiful wife. Notice he asked that she was to wear her royal crown. He wanted her to look her best, to show off her dazzling beauty to all of their guests. Well, let's see what Queen Vashti says in verse 12. It says, But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command, brought by his eunuchs. Therefore the king was furious, and his anger burned within him. Scripture does not tell us here why Queen Vashti refused to come. But if we put ourselves in her shoes, being summoned at the end of a banquet, knowing they would be drunk, does not sound too appealing, does it? Some commentators say that she was pregnant at the time and so she did not want to come. But you can imagine they have had many of these type of banquets. But she did not come this time. Regardless of why she refused, her actions were a breach of etiquette. Disobeying the king's orders set a bad example in the king's eyes that others may follow. The king was used to getting what he wanted when he wanted it. So when Queen Vashti didn't come, he became furious. Queen Vashti at this time refused to come. And this is all setting the scene for why they needed a new queen and why Esther would be put into that position. So... We can surmise, you know, a million things as to why she refused. But it was God working behind the scenes. Let's look at verses 13 to 15. It says, Then the king said to the wise men, Who understood the times? For this was the king's manner toward all who knew law and justice. Those closest to him, the seven princesses of Persian media, who had access to the king's presence and who ranked highest in the kingdom. What shall we do to Queen Vashti? According to the law, 
because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus brought to her by the eunuchs. In a moment of anger and revenge, the king consulted wise men about what he should do. The seven advisors Xerxes summoned was the highest ranking officials in the empire, the closest advisors to the king. Because the queen had committed this very serious offense against the throne by defying a direct order of the king, he sought these wise men's legal advice. Verses 16 through 19 shows the response of Memokon, one of Xerxes' wise men. He suggested that the queen not only wronged the king, but all of the princes and all of the people in the provinces. He told of how the other woman would look at Queen Vashti's example and follow it becoming unruly. He suggested that the king make a written law against the Persians and Medes that cannot be altered. That Vashti was to be dethroned not to appear in the king's presence again and that she should be replaced by another. Once the decree had been proclaimed through the nation, women would know that they must honor and respect their husbands. Moreover, everyone would know that they must obey the orders of the king. Then we see in verses 21 to 22. And the reply pleased the king and the princess. And the king did according to the word of Memucan. Then he sent leaders to all the king's provinces, to each province in its own script, to every people in their own language, that each man should be master in his own house and speak in the language of his own people. And you remember when I showed you the, the picture of the whole empire, you can see how there's all different languages within that. So you can see why he's saying each province went into their own language. So the idea here pleased the king. So he went out a decree throughout the empire in the various languages stating that every man should be ruler of his own household. God, in his providence, is setting the pathway for his plan to deliver his people. And this is now set the stage for the rise of Esther. We are going to be looking further into the book of Esther. And you will notice that God's name is never mentioned in this book. But you will see throughout this book that God is working behind the scenes in the lives of these people. Why Queen Vashti did not come to the presence of the king is only to say that God was working behind the scenes. Scripture does not tell us why she didn't come. But behind the scenes, God is working. In order to fulfill his plan, he had to have the position open for Queen Esther to come in. 
Ladies, I enjoyed doing this study with you, and I look forward to doing Chapter 2 next week. Until then, God bless.